Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Do you absolutely know that you have to be frustrated and beat yourself or other people up for change to happen? And what if actually it's the total absence of frustration, the total absence of should, and the complete and total radical acceptance of what is first that is the most fertile ground for change? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. I'm going to say something that might be simultaneously freeing and uncomfortable to hear. Living in frustration is completely optional. If you are frustrated, it's likely due to your expectations of and relationship with change, as we discussed in the last episode. So today I invite you to practice a frustration-free existence, which won't be easy and definitely won't happen overnight. But it is possible and it starts with confronting the belief that change is hard. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that, with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open up the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. You know, we experience, we try to change things and we experience that it it's hard. And I think sometimes it surely is. Things take practice, you know, some some habits you can change in a day, some habits take a year. You know, look at how many times people try to quit smoking, for example. 15, 20 times and then off that okay, sometimes it's hard. But the belief that change is hard, I think, gets in our way. What if, like, is that really a productive belief? What if it causes us to frame, for example, this frustration thing? Okay, well, being not not frustrated for the rest of my life. Well, that sounds like it could be really hard. It could be. Or maybe not. I guess you won't know until you try, right? Because this change in one way, has nothing to do with any other change you've ever tried to make, right? So how, does, how is it helpful to put it in that bucket of all the other changes you've attempted? You could make a case like, well, I don't want to be disappointed or too hard on myself, but all of those would require shoulds as well. Instead of just being totally in the moment. Okay, today I'm going to try to uh, unpack all my frustrations and not indulge any of them. And then if you fail at that, okay, tomorrow's another day. What are you going to do? Beat yourself up about it? You'd need a should to do that. Yeah, exactly. You see, you'd need a should. You'd need a should. Can you have a goal to make the change without any should about it? My goal is to you know, master this new practice by the end of the day. And then you don't. Okay. What's your upset with yourself? You had a goal, yeah. Oh, you had a should too, that the goal should actually bear out. Where did that come from? You didn't know. 
Maybe it takes three days. Maybe it takes three years. Maybe it takes 30 years. Oh, but you want it to happen the way you want it to happen. You know, like the cake, like the cookies. You see? Well, what would happen? And if you don't get frustrated, if you don't beat yourself up, what then? You won't try again tomorrow? You mean the promise of living a frustration-free life isn't uh, enticing enough for you to try it again tomorrow? You need to be whipping yourself? Is that the fuel you want? How's that working for you? That's the gasoline. Or whipping others. Or whipping others, right. Because inevitably you'll do both. Because, yeah, and that's why... I mean, there's a lot of shoulds. Um, you know, my main manager has been on, been, you know, had surgery. So yeah. he's been gone for four weeks now. I, I'm not happy with some of the things that he's, that he left behind for me. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of, this should not be this way. Why is this this way? This yeah. should not, should not. And, but I, one thing I've learned is, um, it didn't change the fact that it's still happening. <laughs> right. It doesn't work. And my, the way I was with my staff um, trickled down until I had people screaming at each other. And my frustration bred more frustration, bred more frustration. And everybody was a mess. Wow. The whole place. And that was a week ago yesterday. That's terrific. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After the fact, it was, yes. Isn't life so smart? Yeah. It's, it just showed you this is what, sh- this is like a, a um, what do they call it, a nuclear reaction? Uh, an, it was a should chain reaction. You got to see what should does when it proliferates in a business. That's, that's wonderful. And how do we know that should have happened? Because it did. Yeah, terrific. See, even about, the making of the mistake. This is radical acceptance. Now, of course, you want it to be different, but to approach that from a well, you know, you easily could be like, oh man, I'm such an idiot. I never should have, shoulded. And now look what it's done. Everybody's all upset. And you could try to change it from that place, right? But how does it feel, you know? How does it feel when you're beating yourself up? There's the beater and the beaten. Which is worse? (laughs) They're both pretty bad, right? But we tell ourselves that's how it's got to be or else I'm not going to want to change anything. And again, that question. Do you absolutely know that you have to be frustrated and beat yourself or other people up even in the subtlest ways? Do you absolutely know that that's necessary for change to happen? And what if actually... It were completely backwards. And actually, it's the total absence of frustration, the total absence of should, and the complete and total radical acceptance of what is first that is the most fertile ground for change. What if that were the case? What if your pushing was actually... What if your aggressive reaching were actually pushing it further away? And we're reaching for it and we're going, well, if I'm not, if I don't reach for it, it's never going to come. And it's like a, you know, piece of driftwood in a pond and you're reaching from the dock. Well, if I don't reach for it, it's never going to get here. Well, what if you just sat there? You can't reach it. And when you reach for it, you just splash it and make it go further away. What if you just sat there? Maybe the wind would bring it to you. Or maybe you'd, 
calm down enough to realize there was another stick right behind you that was long and you could reach for it with. You know, it's just it's a different consciousness to come from. It's a it's an intriguing conversation. The concept that change, the belief that change is hard. I'm, I don't find that as one of my beliefs. It's interesting. I don't. I, I find that I find that I, some, I find that fun and interesting, and and sometimes I feel like maybe I thrive in that environment more than others. So great. It's an interesting item, but maybe useful for you then to know that it's a common one because you may be managing people who have that, and because you don't have that change is hard thing, you may not even see it in other people. Yeah, I get that a lot, um, and, <laughs> okay. and I and uh, and so um, when I when I feel that inside, I tend to look and say, "Well, what could I do differently in this situation in respect to my team that I work with or my family as well? Like, what have what have I brought here to create this should and and it's likely if someone in our team is not performing, doing something that I think they should be able to do Mm -hmm. it's more likely that they're not trained or that something else is there other than they're just not smart enough to do it or not trying Mm -hmm. usually Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, one of the things i hear you saying maybe it's in between the lines but do you ever have a should that other people should find change as exciting and interesting and interesting as you do uh yeah Okay. They shouldn't act. They shouldn't act the way they do when it happens. That's for sure. <laughs> when what <laughs> right? happens? When like when change happens, I'm like, this would be great. We can deal with this. And they're like, oh my god, this I don't want to ah, do this. I'm right. Like, oh, you should be have fine with this. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't have the relationship to change that they have. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah right, exactly. Yeah. Right. So right? match my relationship, right? Because yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if if they had your relationship to change, it would all be better, right? It would. It would be easier. Maybe well, not better, so we but think yeah, it would be easier, right? That's just like you know, if it were raining, I wouldn't have to water my plants. That would be better. I would prefer that. Yeah, and it's not reality. So it's like you know, later today I'm going to water some things, and I've got a choice. I can line up to between now and watering. I can think about how I don't want to do that, and how it really should be raining about 25 times, and suffer over that. And maybe cause other people to suffer over to complain with, hey, it sucks we got to rain. You got to water your stuff too. Yeah, I could do that. Or I could completely accept it's not raining. And it would think about how different it would occur in my day. Oh, I'm watering. It's like the Zen thing. Chop wood, carry water, right? Just carry the water out, water it, and it's done. That's it. You know the Zen story about the two monks who come across the woman in the puddle? I'll tell it briefly. The two uh, monks who are uh, walking down a road and they come across a, a woman who's standing at the edge of a big puddle on the road and she can't get across. And the monks briefly look at each other and one of the monks just, uh, without a word, just picks her up, walks through the puddle. You know, it's like up to his ankles and gets to the other side, puts her down, and two monks walk on. And a couple miles later, one of the monks says, uh, the monk who didn't carry the woman says, I'm just shocked that you picked up that woman. You know, we have a vow, a vow of uh, you know not not interacting with women. That's part of being a monk. You know, how could you do that? And the the monk says, uh, "I carried the woman for about thirty seconds. You've been carrying her for two hours." Just do it. Just do what needs to be done, and let it go. 
so it's a story about how we let the mind, how we indulge the mind torturing us and how unnecessary it is. And the, the risk, it's sort of like if you've ever experimented in dieting, if you shift your diet to more of the paleo spectrum where you're eating mostly protein and fat and, and not a lot of carbs, which I think is good for some people and I've played around with it. There's a period of time when you're eating less carbohydrates where you feel like you're starving. And it's not a comfortable feeling while your body shifts from using sugar as a fuel to fat, which is a more efficient uh, fuel source, people argue. But it takes about two or three weeks or four weeks even for that shift to happen. And then once it does, it's amazing. But before it does, it's quite disconcerting. And many people will try and they won't get through that difficult phase where they're not getting the sugar their body is craving the body hasn't figured out what to do with all the fat yet. So it's sort of like that. There's a period of time, I don't know how long it is, 21 days, you know, I don't know how long it is. There's going to be a period of time where you're not going to know who you are without a frustration-based fuel source because it is energy. Frustration is a mix of anger and control. And you can and do make things happen with it. Just like uh, many people use deadlines to pressure themselves into getting something done. You never know people like this. They can't self-motivate themselves, so they wait until the last minute, and then they use the external deadline as a source of motivation. Some people go their whole lives that way. I would argue that it's not healthy, but it can be very productive for people. The price they pay? Overwhelm. Chronic overwhelm, stress, frustration loss of sleep, all sorts of stuff. Does it work from a strictly results-oriented perspective? Sure. Is it healthy? I would argue no. And it's very difficult to get someone like that to make that shift from sugar to fat, from the rush of, oh my God, the deadline's coming up, to let's plan my day. You know, you all went to school with people like this. You know people who were always drama kings and queens about, oh, I spent all night... In college, I knew so many people. I was up all night doing this, writing this paper, and they they take up all this space talking about it. I'm like, well, why didn't you write it the day before? You know, like I had one all nighter in all of my years of education, one, and even then I fell asleep like two hours before I, I was able to take a nap. Why? Because I like sleep more than uh, getting to use the drama of uh, deadlines as a fuel source. Does that make me a better person? No, but I think it's healthier to operate that way. Those people may have gotten better grades than I did. I don't know. I just didn't care that much that I would ruin my sleep that way. No, I did well enough. So there's a shift here is what I'm saying. And it, it's, it's because it's going to be a different you. It's going to be a different you. Who would you be if you were never frustrated for longer than a minute or two ever again, what would that be like? It could change your entire life. Maybe you suddenly realize you don't need to eat chocolate because you've been eating it to calm yourself down when you get angry. Or you find you've got uh, more time and energy to exercise because you're not siphoning it off into anger. Or any number of things that could change that way. I'm finding I need less caffeine since I've been practicing this. 
because I've been caffeinating a focus through the clutter of frustration. Frustration really clutters the mind because it just goes in loops. This should be happening. Well, maybe it should be. Well, no, this, it should have happened this way. Well, what if, what if we made it this, you know, it's just cluttery. Very unproductive. Yeah. Isn't it funny? It really doesn't work. It doesn't make us feel good. It doesn't make other people feel good. It grinds things to a halt. that creates psychic friction. Mm-hmm. But it's the way it is, or so it seems, right? I'm just imagining some shifts just in some very specific things. And I feel like the paradigm shift just in that frame, framing of it is it's pretty... A lot could change very quickly with that commitment. Just yeah. as far as as far as, as far as how as, and thinking of what you were saying, Bob, as far as ma- ma- managing other people and having them, their actions be having my relationship to the frustration and not re- re- not responding to their actions from a frustrated place means I'm going to have to either call them on it in a way that's not frustrated or let it go. And there, there's that's where the rub is. I think. What to actually do in that moment? Well, here's what here's the path. Yeah, no, no just that. Yeah, no, to, to actually to to because I think that oftentimes I've been more committed, unconsciously more committed to the frustration of the story than I yeah. was to the actual change that I said I wanted. Yeah, there you go. Right, that's brilliant. Yeah, follow that. And the other thing I wanted to make sure I mention is that maybe related to what you're saying is what you'll discover arises in the place of frustration is wonder and curiosity. Like, oh, that's what's happening. How interesting. Not what I expected, not what I wanted, but here it is. You know, I live off of the world famous Hana Highway, the road to Hana. And there are certain parts of the day and certain parts of the season where the traffic can be, uh, to use the surfer term, gnarly. You know, and we had the first big uh, uh, swell, north swell of the winter about a month and a half ago. And I was driving to Paia, and the 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 um, which is the closest town, and the traffic was backed up literally twice as much as the worst days I've ever seen. It was like all like. And at first, I was like, "Is this just rubbernecking traffic?" Because it was right at the beach. I was like, is, "Are people just looking at the waves, or is this actually backed up?" Is there actually no space up ahead? And I found very quickly, no, there was no space. It was backed up all the way, twice as far. Imagine, you know, whatever traffic routes you see, the worst you've ever seen it, and it was twice that. And oh man, did I have a should about that, right? People shouldn't be rubbernecking looking at the waves. I should have taken that turn off three miles ago and gone around because I should have known there would, because it was a surf competition at the, Payahi, which is halfway, which slowed traffic down too. I should have known. I shouldn't have. All shits. And it, it took me a good five minutes or so to calm down and just be like, this is what's happening. Wow. I wonder if I'll be late to the thing I'm going to. I wonder if it matters. And this, this space, this still kind of silent space that invites a whole different way of being. And we've all had drives where we spent the whole time frustrated about you know the delay and being late. And then you get there and it turns out everyone else is late too, right? Or they don't care. And the joke is on you, right? You just tortured yourself for no reason. How'd it go? Did you enjoy yourself? All that frustration? <laughs> 
So if there's an enemy of curiosity and wonder, I'd say it's frustration or even just the word should. Because when you have a should about how something should be, on on a, on a literal level, you're 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 literally taking a mental picture you have and projecting it onto reality, like an augmented reality thing. You're in a virtual reality, like as if you're wearing VR glasses that have, you know, cartoons that you really don't enjoy, and then you see reality through it. And look, there's all these crazy looking grotesque cartoons all over the place. You are delusional. To really put a fine point on it, that's what's happening. I heard Ajashanti once talk about enlightenment in one way. He talked about it as a pulling back of you out of all of your experiences. And every few weeks, that deepens in me a little bit more because we've all had the experience. You know, you uh, I need to talk to someone about something difficult, and you've imagined them getting upset, for example, right? And then you do it, and you talk to them. And you realize they don't get upset. And then something shifts, right? There's that feeling of like, oh, it didn't go how I thought. What actually happened in that moment is on a psychic level, the you that was in them went back to you. Because you, you were in them making something up. Get what I mean? That's what a projection is. You were, I mean, you know, like if you could metaphorize it, it would be like you've got an actual projector and you're shining light on them and they're like a nice person and you're shining an unhappy, angry picture on their face. That's what's going on. And so you're not actually relating with them. You're relating with your story about them. And then it's wonderful when you encounter that people are not who you thought because then there's this moment, right, where you're like, oh, it's sort of semi-disorienting, but really nice. Oh, I thought you'd get upset. No, why would I get upset? Oh, now you're talking to them. Before you were talking to a blend of you and them. Isn't that cool? I love those moments. I love, that's why I love being wrong about people. Because I get to, oh, that's what I was projecting. Wow, I thought this such and such would happen. But it didn't. How cool. Pull back the projection, pull back the projection. Every time you do that, you're more in reality. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that clear and open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.